Good morning again, everyone. Glad that you're here this morning. Um, we are kicking off a brand new series, uh, The Gospel of John. And uh, if you remember our series, uh, Romans, a letter to the, uh, from the Apostle Paul, um, it's going to be a lot like that as far as like we're going to walk verse by verse through this book so that we can understand it um, and, and know it better. Um, and I'm just, I'm really excited about this. I'm really expectant that God is going to do some amazing things through the course of this series. Um, yeah, but before we jump into the scriptures today, I wanted to uh, share a couple of short stories with you that I, I thought... Um, we're pretty, pretty funny, and they're going to they're gonna kind of help make my point today. So uh, first, in December 1903, after many attempts, the Wright brothers were successful in getting their flying machine off the ground. Thrilled, they telegraphed this message to their sister, Catherine. We have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper and showed him the message. He glanced at it and said, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. He totally missed the big news that man had flown for the first time. He was total, this guy was totally oblivious to like what was going on, right? So I have another one for you, so again, short. Shortly after the 1912 presidential election, Woodrow Wilson visited an aged aunt whom he, had, uh, he, whom he had not seen for a long time. What are you doing these days, Woodrow, she asked. I've been elected president, replied Wilson. Oh yeah, president of what, inquired the aunt, of the United States. Don't be silly, she snorted impatiently. That, that was a real, a real interaction between Woodrow Wilson, who just got elected president, and his aunt. I think, she, again, she, oblivious, just completely unaware to what's going on around her, right? Nowadays, there's a, a way, a common way to talk about this being unaware or, or being oblivious to things. Um, a fun way. I was today years old when I found out. Have you guys heard this, this phrase? Yes? Um, if you go on YouTube and search that phrase... You'll find hundreds, maybe even thousands of videos. Like, I was today years old when I found out whatever. And today, I want to give you a few examples. So don't, don't put up the picture yet. I'll, let me read it first and then put up the picture. I was today years old when I found out the sides of juice boxes are for kids to hold so they don't squeeze out the juice. The little flaps. Like, I never knew until I had my son until Titus was born, he was at that age that that's for kids to hold so they don't like squeeze the juice out. I'm like, that's brilliant. How did I know? That's so obvious. How did I never know that before? Next one, same, same deal. Wait to put up a picture. I was today years old when I found out the drawer on your stove is for keeping food warm and not to store pots and pans. This one is like brand new for me in the last couple years. I had no idea that it was for keeping your food warm. Who knew? I mean, apparently some people did, but I was oblivious to it, completely unaware. And then last one, you can put this picture up now. This guy 
His name, his name is, uh, he's called Fez in the show, That 70s Show. Um, I was today years old when I learned that Fez in That 70s Show really stands for foreign exchange student, and it's not his actual name. Um, it just, these are silly examples, but it's, it's examples of, of things that like seem obvious, that can seem obvious, but some, they just go over some people's heads. They're just completely, we're just completely unaware of of some of these things, right? And, and, and that's true in life. What seems obvious to some can be like not so obvious to others. What, what's, what other people are aware of, other people are completely in the dark about, right? Like, okay, like there are some people who think that they're like phenomenal singers, right? They belt it out in the shower. They, Think they're think they're the best in the world. They belt it out in their car. Their moms probably even like get them going. Like, oh, sweetie, you're the you're the best. You should go on one of those reality TV singing shows. You got a voice like a bird. But she never tells them like what bird they have a voice like, you know. Um, and um, and then these people with with all the confidence in the world, they get up to let their talent shine through, and they sound like a wandering albatross. You know, just awful. They're just completely unaware of the truth and how they really sound because maybe nobody ever told them or maybe they don't want to see the truth, you know? Or, or maybe you work with somebody who thinks they're really awesome at their job and they, they, they just think they're crushing it and they think they should be running things, but reality is like, you know, they, they cut corners and, man, maybe they're they, um, consistently, like, dropping the ball and things or, or maybe, like... Um, Everyone else has to pick up their slack, and these, these people, like, they think they're awesome, and they just don't know, like, the truth. Or maybe it's even worse. Maybe they do know the truth. Maybe they do know where they fall short, and they just don't care. Like, that's, that can be difficult to deal with sometimes, right? Or maybe it's a little more serious. Maybe you have a family member that's completely unaware of how their actions and behaviors are hurting the entire family, Maybe you have a family member who's dealing with addiction and they are completely unaware that their addiction touches each member of the family. They're, they're completely oblivious to it. Or maybe they, maybe they treat everyone so horribly that it's, it's fracturing relationships and even tearing the family apart and they don't know it. They don't realize it. They don't see it. Or maybe they do see it and they're just not willing to change for whatever reason. Right? That's, that's hard. It's hard when people are unaware of the truth. It's hard when people are unaware of the true nature of things. It just makes, it just makes things difficult for everyone. It's difficult. I think it's like that in our relationship with God, too. When we don't see the truth, when we don't understand the true nature of things, it can be detrimental to us, and it can be detrimental to those around us. We can be so oblivious about things that it, it seemingly messes up everything in our lives and every, everyone's life around us. And that's what this series is about. That's what this series, walking verse by verse through the Gospel of John is. It's, it's so we can be fully aware of the truth. And we can, we can understand how to take the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives. That's what this series is about. And... Today, going forward, I want to challenge you to remember that. 
I want to challenge you to remember that's what this is about. It's, it's not about doing, doing your, your good deed for the week of coming to church and, you know, like check it off the list. Oh, you know, I'm good now. I, I came to church. I'm, I'm good for another week. No, this is, this is about knowing his word. And it's about understanding his word that we might become more like him. That's what this is about. That's discipleship, right? That's, that's discipleship. So before we dive into scriptures uh, today, uh, let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Um, and I just pray, God, that I would have an open heart today to hear what your word has to say to me. I pray that we would have an open heart today to hear what your word has to say to us as your church. And um, yeah, God, make yourself known to us through your word today. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open it up or turn it on to John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. John chapter 1, it's in the New Testament. It is the fourth book um, from the beginning of the New Testament, John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And before I read, really quickly, I want to give you a little bit of context to this. So the Gospel of John is written by the Apostle John. The Apostle John was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He, he lived life with Jesus for, for three years um, before Jesus died and rose and ascended into heaven. Um, the Apostle John is also known as John the Beloved because he, John, refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. It's really uh, humble of him, right? Um, he's the only apostle uh, believed to have died of natural causes. He's also responsible for writing the New Testament letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And in the Gospel of John... The Apostle John is addressing uh, an audience that's largely non-Jewish. So these are people who didn't grow up with a knowledge of God. They didn't grow up with a knowledge of, of the word, essentially, or um, basically. Uh, maybe, maybe they had a, an understanding that it existed and maybe knew it a little bit, but they didn't like study it. It wasn't a part of their life. So this is the, the group of people that that John is addressing. He's, adre he's addressing Gentiles who converted to Christianity, non-Jewish Christians. And um, he opens his book with language that they would understand that, that he opens his book stating things that would answer questions that they have. So 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the language here that the apostle John is using echoes the language in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, right? And the reason he uses this language is he's, he's trying to direct people back to Genesis, right? The, he's trying to direct people back to the biblical account of creation, in the beginning. But he's, he's making slight modification because of, because of his, his audience, right? He's, he's, he's explaining things in a way his audience is going to understand it. Um, now, really quickly, I'm going to get into some nerdy stuff, but I really need you to like, like 
hone in, stick with me, track with me. I promise it matters, okay? Um, The Bible is an incredibly unique document. It was written by over 40 authors over a span of 1,500 years, okay? The Bible was written by over 40 people over the span of 1,500 years, and it tells one unified story. That's incredible, that 40 people over the span of 1,500 years can have this unified story with very, very, very little uh, discrepancy. The discrepancies are so little that they, they don't change the story at all. It's just little details here and there that don't matter to the, the whole of the story. So that's incredible, right? Here's another interesting detail. The Old Testament is an Eastern culture document. The New Testament is a Western culture document. Um, again, stick with me. This matters, I promise. What do I mean by Eastern culture, Western culture? We are Western culture people. The way we think, the way we speak, the way we treat each other, it's, it's Western culture. And um, across, like on the other side of the world, they have the Eastern culture, right? Eastern part of the world, Western part of the world. Um, they speak differently than we do to each other. They think differently than we do. They treat each other differently than we treat each other. Think about it this way. The Israelites lived across an ocean 3,000 years before we did. And we have refrigerators and cars and smartphones and um, air conditioning. And like the way we see the world is so much different than the way they see the world, okay? The Old Testament is an Eastern culture document. And in the Eastern culture, they are concerned with the question, why? Why? Why are we here? Why did God create everything? What is the purpose of me being here now? Like that is kind of the the questions that they ask, the way they think. In Western culture or Hellenistic culture, which was introduced by Alexander the Great, if you didn't know, they're more logical, they're more scientific, and their Western culture people are more hung up on the question of how. How did everything come into existence? That's why... This isn't even in my notes. That's why a lot of like people today who claim to be atheists look at the Bible and be like, this is, this is silly. Like, it, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't scientifically possible. They, they use the Bible to like disprove it, but they don't understand that the Bible isn't, ask, isn't answering the question how. Like Genesis 1 isn't answering the question how. Genesis 1 is answering the question why, right? And so like we as Western culture people, we're interested in how things came about, how things came into existence, how does everything work? And John is fully aware of that and he is answering that question. He's answering that question. So for the question, where did God come from? John answers it and he says, oh, God didn't come from anywhere. He already existed, In the beginning, he already existed. Well, where did Jesus come from? Jesus didn't come from anywhere. He already existed with the Father. Well, where did stuff come from? Where did the mountains and the trees and the grass and the the water, the ocean, where did all that stuff come from? Well, God created it. Everything we see comes from God. Nothing Nothing that was made was made without him. It was all made through him. So John is is speaking to this Western culture mindset, this, this, these people who want to know how, how did all this stuff come about? And John is trying to make it abundantly clear to, to those who are listening to him that God is supreme. God is the supreme creator. Everything is here because of him. Everything. 
Everything comes from him. Verse 6, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some versions say he was full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Some versions say God's grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So the, the Gospel of John is the Apostle John's account of Jesus' life and ministry. That's, that's what we're going to be diving into going verse by verse through this. The, John's account of Jesus' life and ministry. And he starts out with a bang, right? No pun intended. In the beginning... God existed. In the beginning, God was never created. He was just there. He's the creator. God created everything. Nothing exists without him. And he came in a human form to show us the way. He is the light that everyone's searching for. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. This is, this is a, a summary of what John is saying over what we just read. Now, this is the Gospel of John. There's three other Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospels are essential to our faith in God because they document the life of Jesus. And they help us to understand. It's, it, they're fundamental to our faith because they help us understand how we come into right relationship with God. Like I said uh, at the beginning of my message, um, I'm very excited and very expectant to walk through this series because I believe God wants to reveal much to us about his character about, and, and about what he wants for us. Um, so how does this apply to our lives here and now? How does it apply to our lives today? That's what I want to spend the next few minutes talking about. Um, I want to I want to make some observations about what we just read, and I want to talk about how those observations can apply um, to our lives today. So the first observation I want to make about what we just read is this. Our God is supreme in everything. Our God is supreme in, every, in, in, in everything. If, if you claim Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, your faith is in him, our God is supreme over everything. Now, supreme is defined in the dictionary as this, greatest in degree, quality, or intensity, superior to all others. In a world full of people trying to conquer everyone else, in a world full of battling ideologies, in a world that says you're subhuman if you don't believe what I believe, 
God is above it all. God is greater than it all. He's superior to it all. He's greater than any mindset. He's greater than any worldview, any circumstance, any belief system. The creator of all things has authority over all things. Think about it this way. For example, this is on a way smaller scale. Apple products. Who has, a, who has an iPhone? Raise your hand real quick. Not a lot of us. Who has an iPad? Yeah. Maybe you have an Apple laptop or Apple desktop or some other, you know, maybe you used to have an iPod when those are the thing, right? Like Apple products. Steve Jobs is the founder of Apple. Um, he created the brand. He created the products, like all of that, right? And while he was alive, he had full control over the brand. He had full control over all their products. He had full control over the marketing, like how their, how their products were like rolled out and, and like shown to the world, right? Like he had full control over all of that because he created it and he owned it, right? This is how it is with God, except on a way bigger scale. God is supreme over everything. And that includes your life. That includes my life. God is supreme over everything. No, Pastor Ryan, that doesn't make, that doesn't make me feel very good. That doesn't make me feel very good because like things in my life are a mess right now. Thing, like things are, aren't not going very well. And if God is supreme, then that means he's doing a bad job. He's forgotten about me. If, if God is supreme, if God is supreme, why did I get divorced? If, if God is supreme, like, like why did that loved one die? If, if God is supreme, like why am I always struggling financially? If God is supreme, why can't I ever be happy, Pastor Ryan? These are all valid questions. They're all valid feelings. They all make sense. And they matter to God. And if you're going through something rough right now, if you're going through something difficult, like, God sees you, and he's concerned. That's the truth. He sees it, he's concerned. I would say, though, that if there's anything going on in your, in your life right now that's causing you to question the supremacy of God in your life, we're not understanding what supremacy is, what, what, what it means for God to be supreme. We're not understanding that correctly. When I say God is supreme, some people are hearing me say that nothing happens outside of God's say-so. So if someone I love dies, it's God's fault. If my marriage falls apart, it's God's fault because he's supreme. If, if, I'm, if I'm living paycheck to paycheck, that's God's fault because he's supreme. No. Remember the definition. Greatest in degree, quality, or intensity, greater or uh, superior to all others. He's so much, his way is so much better than any other way we could ever follow. That's what it means to be supreme. His way is the best way. His way is better. He's greater than any ideology, any belief system. He's better than any politician. He's better than any activist. His way is better. You can search the world to find what you think is going to satisfy you. You can search the world to find what you think will make the pain go away. You can search the world to find what you think is going to fill that void in your soul. But you're never going to find anything that's superior to our God. Because he's greater. He's better. 
his way is superior to all other ways. And if you just submit to that, submit to him, he's itching to show you. He's itching to show us that. So that's the first observation that we can take and apply. God is, our God is supreme in everything, in your life, in my life, in everything. Next observation I want to make today is this. Jesus is the true light. We can take that and we can apply it to our life. Pastor Ryan, how? John chapter 1 verse 9 says, The one who is, true, is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light was coming into the world. Light is very important to our lives. Like, I'm just talking in general, right? So, like, light allows us to see, like, distinguishing details and things. Light allows us to see individual colors and movements and um, brightness, right? Like, light is extremely um, important to our uh, biological functions as human beings, right? Light helps us have a, a better metabolism. Light helps us um, have better blood circulation, better blood flow. Light helps us have better hormone balance. Light synchronizes our body to like have a rhythm with time. So like, um, like if, you, uh, if you have like an internal clock, like you just wake up every day at like 6 a.m., like that's like thanks to light, you know, like it helps you have a, a rhythm. Light is vital to our physical health. It's vital to our physical health. Um, I was sharing this with somebody last week. When, when we get sick in the wintertime, it's not because like germs are more prevalent in the winter. Actually, germs are more prevalent in the summer when it's warmer out. Why we get sick in the wintertime is because we have less, we have less and less interaction with sunlight that has vitamin D and keeps us healthy. Light is essential to our health. And just like actual light, Jesus is essential to our spiritual health. He is, a, he is the true light that keeps us healthy. Without him, we are doomed. We are lost. We are hopeless. Light also has another function. It shows us the way. Light shows us the way. It, it shows us the way back to the Father in a world full of darkness where we can't, like, find our way. Jesus is the light that shows us the way. And that word true, when I said true light, it's not just the opposite of, like, false, right? That word true means, like, authentic, genuine, real, ultimate. Jesus is the ultimate light. Um, the apostle John compares John the Baptist and Jesus, and, and um, he says, like, John the Baptist is like a lamp. Jesus is the power grid. Jesus is the source. He's the thing that lights the lamp. Light brings certainty to uncertain situations. Think about when you were a kid. At least when I was a kid. I was afraid of the dark. Um, I was afraid of the dark. I had to have a nightlight every night. And if I didn't have a nightlight, the bathroom light had to be on. Or the closet light had to be on. And if that wasn't available... There were even times where I slept with the bedroom light on because I was afraid of the dark. Why was I afraid of the dark? Because in the dark, you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's there. You don't know what's going on. Things are very uncertain in the dark. And Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus brings clarity to everything. 
Um, when I was about, this is a silly story, when I was about 21 years old, I was a small group leader for a uh, high school small group at my home church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And one December night for our small group Christmas party, we decided that we were going to play capture the flag in the woods at night. And so it was like pitch black, okay? Um, it was so fun because it was so challenging, we couldn't see anything, but that was also the problem because there are people running into trees and stepping in holes and falling in ditches and that kind of, we, there was one kid that even got lost. Like, how do you get lost? You know, like there's 40 of us out there. How does this kid got lost? We had to like go get the flashlights and go search for him. We found him, he's fine. But um, like, I thought of, I was thinking about this as I put this message, message together. When things got bad in that situation, what did we do? The first thing we did is we went and got the light. When the situation got really bad, the first thing we did is we went and got the light so we could see. When things get bad in your life, Jesus is that light that can help you get out of the bad situation. Jesus is that light that can show you the way. Jesus is the true light. So the first observation, our God is supreme in everything. The second observation, Jesus is the true light. The final observation I want to make today, we are incredibly blessed. We are incredibly blessed. If you call yourself a Christ follower, you are blessed beyond measure. John chapter 1 verse 16 says, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Jesus is the source of all our blessings. Everything you have good in your life, it's because he's given it to you. And his resources for blessing us are infinite. His resources for blessing us are infinite. So what's this blessing that John is talking about? He's talking about grace. He's talking about grace. The English Standard Version of this, this, uh, this verse says it this way, words it this way. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. What does this mean? It means that when it seems like one part of God's grace like fades or recedes or goes away, another part replaces it. Like his grace never runs out and it's never exhausted. It never gets tired. It never goes away. God's grace to his people is continuous. And John, the apostle John, is clearly trying to emphasize this idea of grace, that we are blessed beyond measure because of the grace of God. Grace means uh, an ever-deepening experience in his presence. You can't get that through, um, you can't get that by, by following the law alone. Right? Like by, by knowing the do's and don'ts and doing the check marks and like, okay, I did this, I did this, okay, I didn't do that. Like you can't experience the presence of God that way. We experience the presence of God through grace, through grace. A, a person can uh, acquire merit by conforming to the law, but you experience God through his grace. And that's, that's the adventure. We get to live in the blessing of grace. We get to live in the blessing of grace. What does that mean? It means that as long as your faith remains in Christ, as, as long as your trust is in him, we get to be a new creation every single day. 
You're made new in Christ. And as long as you remain in him, you are a new being every single day. Through God's grace, we're forgiven. Through, through God's grace, our, our thinking is transformed and, and we're able to have a new heart and a new mind. Through grace, we get to live the kind of life that God wants every one of his kids to experience. See, God created life to be lived a certain way and through grace, we get to live that way. What a blessing. What a blessing. And his grace never goes away. It never goes away. There's enough grace for me for the rest of my life. There's enough grace for you for the rest of your life. There's enough for everyone in the human race for the rest of time. A.W. Tozer was a, uh, uh, an American pastor and author, and he was quoted once as saying, as saying this, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits upon the undeserving. Its use to us sinful men is to save us and make us sit together in heavenly places to demonstrate to the ages the exceeding riches of God's kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is a really profound thought about grace. It pleases God to be merciful. It pleases God to forgive. It pleases God to love. And even if you don't reciprocate, he's going to continue to extend that grace. Even if you never love him back, even if, even if you never thank him for being so forgiving, he's going to continue to extend that grace. That's what it means to be blessed. That's what it means to live in the blessing of grace. Worship team, you can come back to the platform. So our observations that we can take and we can apply directly to our lives. Our God is supreme in everything. He's, his, his way is better. Jesus is the true light. He, he shows us the way back to the Father. And we are incredibly blessed. We get to live in the grace of God as long as our faith and trust remain in him. What if we didn't have to worry about how things are going to turn out in our life? Because we understand that the God we serve is supreme over everything. What if? What if we, we understood like he's greater than everything and, and anything and we don't have to wonder if we're going to be okay. I don't ever have to wonder if I'm going to be okay because I trust that God is supreme. What if we actually trusted that Jesus is the true light, that uh, his life does show us the way to get to God, that the way he lives does show us the way to God? Imagine for, the second, for a second that we took the Bible seriously in that. John chapter 14, verse 6, we're going to get to this later in the series, but I think it's uh, applicable to today. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If I could put it in my own words for a moment, I'm, I would say it like this. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one finds their way out of darkness except through me. No one finds the Father unless they let me show them. What if we actually decided to live in the blessing of his grace? What if we actually decided that we trusted the grace of God to cover over all your shortcomings, 
No more guilt, no more shame, no more uh, moral gymnastics to try to get into heaven because you trust the grace of God and you, you live in the overflowing, endless supply of his grace. Imagine that for yourself for a second. Now imagine that for your kids. Imagine that for your mom. Imagine that for your dad. Imagine that for your brothers. Imagine that for your sisters. Imagine that for your, your coworkers. Imagine that for your classmates. Imagine that for the people in your life. Get to live in that kind of blessing. What if? Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. Thank you. First, God, that you've given us your word that we might know you better and we might understand what you want for us. Thank you that you've given us your word to know you, God. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful. I praise you, God, that you are supreme in everything. I praise you, God, that you are the true light that shows us the way. I praise you, God, that you allow us to live in the blessing of your grace. I pray for those out there today, God, who may be struggling with any of these, may be struggling with the idea that you are supreme, that you are greater, that you are superior to all. I pray that you meet them right where they're at right now in the name of Jesus. God, for those who might be struggling with the idea that you are the true light, that you, your way is the way, that you show the way to get to the Father, I pray, God, that you would overwhelm them right now with peace in the name of Jesus. If there's anyone struggling with the idea of living in, in the, the blessing of grace, that we are blessed beyond measure, God, open their eyes to see just how truly blessed we really are. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. What we're going to do right now is we're just going to take a moment and just reflect. We're going to allow uh, the worship team to lead us in a song, but I just want to encourage you, don't rush through this moment. We're not done just yet. Um, take time and pray, meditate, sing if you need to, whatever you need to do, but respond to the Spirit of God right now because he's moving, he's trying to do stuff, he's trying to speak to us. Be sensitive to the spirit right now and, and allow God to move. So worship team, lead us, please. Thank you that you reign. You're supreme. You are the true light. And we are incredibly blessed by you. Thank you. Before we're dismissed today, I want to challenge us with some next steps. And these next steps can um, are just tangible things that we can do to take the message and apply it this week. Um, the first one is this. This week I'll memorize John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. This week, number two, this week I'll meditate on all the blessings God has given to me. We are incredibly blessed. And when we focus on the blessings and not the curses, like things will shift, things will change. This week I will read John chapter 1, Verse 19 through 28, 
to prepare for next week's message. So that's that's what our, our message is on next week, verses 19 through 28. So if you're so inclined, you can um, read ahead and, and kind of get a jump on the message next week. But uh, before we're dismissed, let me pray for you one last time this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And we just ask God first that you would be with us. We long to be near you. We long that you be near us. Meet us right here, God, and be with us today. Be with us tomorrow, the rest of the week. Let us feel your presence. Thank you, God. We love you. We praise you. And lastly, may you rest in the arms of our supreme God and Father. May you depend on the true light to show you the way, and may you live in the blessing of his grace all the days of your life. Amen and amen. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.